1: The Chelsea is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. We are backed by Ladbrooks. Go to bet.chelseapodcast.net for exclusive specials and promotions that we have got. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Chels. Here we are, another three points down the road towards, no doubt, he will tell me we're going to win the league, Mr Dave Johnston. We're going to win the league. He says that to me every year. It's clever, that, because every now and then he gets one right. How are you, Dave? Yeah, all good. Nice to see you. Nice to be back. But
2: um, thanks to uh, the other two... um, absentees out there watching bruce springsteen good luck to them but i'd rather be here with you Kerry, and my esteemed friend tim
1: oh yes and talking of esteemed author writer mm, chelsea celebrity can i just throw in cfc uk scribe hurry up it's only a pound okay i mean it's my job and you just take the words (laughs) from my mouth dave i forgot what it's like with you about um and cfc uk scribe is mr tim rolls Good evening. How are you, Tim?
0: I'm extremely well. Went to Newcastle, enjoyed it, so all's good. Excellent.
1: Well, you know, uh, that's that's probably a place we might start. I mean, of course... I just want everyone to know that this is an exclusive tonight, having you two here, because, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the Sunday Times article about the club's up for sale. Well, I've had it on very good authority that you two are part of the consortium who's trying to buy it.
0: Unable to say, can't comment, I'm afraid. Ah.
1: (laughs) Not, oh yeah, we signed the
2: confidentiality clause. But... But despite that, despite the speculation, it's still
1: always going to be a pound. See, well, that's the other thing about confidentiality clauses. Are you not breaking the confidentiality clause by saying you've signed a confidentiality clause? Oh, it's one of those, isn't it? It's like where does the serpent's <laughs> tail end on this one? This could be the shortest um the Chelsea in the history. Well, why are you leaving? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like after, it looks like you put the mockers on us now. Oh, sorry about that. Um I I mean let's 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 start with that story. Um I think it's interesting the way that Quite often the press gang together and I don't know if any of you watch Sunday Supplement on Sky where they have journos on talking about the news. Well, they had a few on there um, who are all backing up the Sunday Times story that supposedly Roman Abramovich is fed up with the way he's been treated, has decided to cash in, the club's up for sale. The only true fact they seem to have is the fact that there is a boutique bank involved which I presume would be getting investors of some sort, but not necessarily sell the club. But they were all saying, "Well, it's actually, you know, it's undeniable, really, what's going on." And I think it's it's a, it's a sham story. I mean, I hate to use fake news as a, as an
0: any sort of idea, but what do you think, Tim? I think they appear to not understand the difference between investment and purchase. I think it's pretty clear knowledge that they are looking for investors to, for the new stadium but there's a world of difference between that and, and buying the club so i don't know i it seems, sounds to me like kites were being flown and a few people are sort of rallying to it we'll see but yeah you can use a, a boutique bank to raise money for investment as easily as you can to buy a club so
1: so i mean you know the the interesting thing is uh, everyone's talking about you know he's being treated badly roman um how do you feel about it dave I mean, uh, away from the confidentiality clause, but you know well, why would anybody want
2: to sell the world 's greatest football club? He absolutely loves us, and I think um, if anyone 's read the uh, Martin Samuel uh, article today, I think he 's got it down to a T. What happened in it? What did he say? Well, he said, um, why would he want to sell it? you know you know and even it 's not going to happen.
1: No, I mean... Mr. Okay.
2: Mr. Abramovich isn't going to sell it, but even if he did, Chelsea won't be in trouble. You know, people are, you know, we're, we're a top-line club now and it's going to take big dollars to buy it. Yeah, well, and everyone's
1: then, saying two billion, two and a half billion. Well, I mean, that kind of money, gets somebody who comes in not to asset strip or to close something down. If you spend that kind of money anyway, you're going to try and increase the value of it well yeah. breaking but, the
2: old confidentiality clause if i sell enough fanzines on saturday i might put
1: a bid in <laughs> right, and you heard that here first. yeah <laughs> another exclusive for the Chelsea, tim
0: yeah i mean I, I i just i don't see it happening i think the fear as well is the, all the people celebrating when the glazers bought man united they used the, they used the club money to, to finance it you know you've got the issue now at arsenal with with an owner and there's a lot of dissent about what what's going on there the previous owners of liverpool so people need to be very careful what they wish for all these people going hurrah two million, two billion pounds coming in hurrah hurrah that doesn't mean it's going to be better than it is now because it's pretty damn good now i would be very nervous of anyone trying to take over i also thought the article saying that the fans would welcome anyone who came in i'm not sure they would if you have despotic regimes from the Middle East or from from wherever taking over, I'm not sure at all that they'll be welcomed with open arms by all support. I would have thought there'd be a lot of suspicion of anyone taking over the club. I think Abramovich, what he's done has been fantastic for the club, but they cannot assume, nobody should assume, that that goodwill will automatically follow if anyone bought the club.
1: No, I think you're right. I think I think things would have to pan out. But at the end of the day, you know, we are fans we don't get an awful lot of say in how things happen now. You know, it's not like the old days where you could make a five-minute protest or something and a board would take notice of you and go, good Lord, the fans are really upset about this. Let, let's give him <laughs> 10 and 6 or whatever it is in old money, you know. So I, I think I think we are you know in, in an era where, as fans, we are far more bystanders than participants with yep. our own club these days. I'd just like to say... Chelsea football supporters or
2: those who've got um shares in Chelsea pitch owners are in a unique position and um it's not quite like that for for our club because we do hold a certain amount of sway as regards um the future of Stanford Bridge at least and um it's common you know it's common knowledge if anybody did want to move us away from stanford bridge they would have to negotiate with us whether they could use the name chelsea football club and um we've also got a very good um supporters trust um tim you're both uh, involved in this aren't we indeed? are yeah tim's yep. the, um former chairman shouldn't have stood stood down in my opinion but um still doing very well. i heard good. it was because he's an old punk <laughs> No no he's um he's gone on to um great heights keep, uh keeping the um those old those I was gonna say those old sods, but I'll call it those bods at the um FA in check.
0: Yeah, I do the sort of external affairs stuff with the Premier League and the other supports trusts, and that's qu- quite interesting. So it's not day-to-day Chelsea stuff, but it's trying to work with other trusts on sort of wider issues. And kick-off times is one. I think the, the whole Game 39 overseas game is going be, to become a hot issue, I think, this season. Because I think with Scudamore going, whoever comes in, whatever background they've got, they're going to want to do something spectacular. And my fear is that they're going to push for an overseas game or an extra game. In two or three years' time, I might be wrong, but
2: I've got to say fair play to the um, the, uh, the footballers, the captains of the uh, Spanish yep. teams. Who I'm not quite sure how it's progressed, but the last, you know, from what I understand, they're going to think about going on strike. Yep. And uh, fair play to them, and let's hope if the if a similar occurrence happens with the Premier League, that some of the uh, footballers respect the supporters in this country oh listen the supporters who come to watch chelsea football club from abroad as far as i'm concerned they're absolutely fantastic i welcome them chelsea is a worldwide football club and uh it's no wonder that people want to pledge allegiance to chelsea football club but as far you know as far as I'm concerned, if they want to come and watch us play a league game, a cup game, they've got to come to Stamford Bridge. It's the, If they want to experience watching Chelsea Football Club, they've got to have the authentic experience and watching a game in a neutral stadium, three, six, 10,000
1: miles away, just ain't it. Well, I also, I cannot understand how any of these things can actually be considered part of a league, which is basically about home and away. Yeah, exactly. That's the end of it. I mean, suddenly it's a way away. And
0: so if you had, say for a uh, circumstance that we were competing with Man City for the title and they their 39th game was against Burnley, say, and it was in, for argument's sake, it was in France. And, and we were playing against Liverpool in brisbane or somewhere to take it you know extreme example there are all sorts of issues about competitive integrity about the, the distance that how, how you would all schedule into an already overcrowded season so to me there's all sorts of issues competitive integrity impact on supporters uh cheapening the the brand i would hope the players would do what the spanish players have done i fear they might not but we shall see
1: uh, no it, it's one that you really feel that it surely can't get off the ground. I could understand if they invented something whereby a final was played abroad or something, of something different. But you can't have the no, league no. having one of its games played abroad in front of a, what is basically a neutral uh, ground, you know.
2: Well, they've done that with the International Champions Cup or whatever that's called, you know, basically a load of glorified friendlies. But, you know... For, you know Fair play to them. If, you know, the. Cl- I, I don't agree with it. I'd rather see, as far as Chelsea's concerned, I'd rather see them playing Kingstonian. Or uh, I'm talking yeah, old proper money. game. I'm talking old money here. A full for a third division team at their place. Help them earn a few quid. And, yeah. But, you know, if those support, you know, if foreign fans want to see them and the club arrange these friendlies, they're not for me. I know they're there, but I know our friends in america enjoy them and you know, you know are, i think you, good yeah, luck think, to them yeah, but exactly. not, uh, you know as far as what i call proper competitive fixtures i the premier league the fa cup the league cup and well for us this season the europa league it's proper, proper. It, that, nothing wrong with the europa league they they've got to be played on the same terms as they are now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Of course they do. I I totally agree. And and you mentioned Kingstonian. Um, They've got a fixture tonight, haven't they? Well... AFC uh, Wimbledon have got a fixture at exactly. what was
0: Kingstonian's ground they're play, yeah, playing West Ham which will be logistically interesting I think for the stewards and security people at, uh, at
1: AFC Wimbledon and you have to go home that I way. have to get
0: the train through King, through Norbiton which is the, where, where the ground is yeah so, so it should you, be interesting
1: you should have a nice time <laughs> with all the West Ham fans who don't have tickets probably yes, of whom there'll be plenty yes there will be <laughs> okay so I mean I think we've covered that ground and I didn't know we were going to cover that ground but it's interesting and um, the one last thing How much sway do you think the pitch owners and everything actually has at Chelsea? It does make a difference,
0: doesn't it? It makes a difference because they have to consider the the role of the pitch owners and the fact they need to get 75% of votes if they wanted to to move away from Stamford Bridge or to to do something with the name. But no one else has got it, so they have to take it into account. doesn't mean it would stop it, but it makes it more difficult. They would have to consider... They got it badly wrong in 2011. They, They massively misjudged the mood of the, if you like, the oldest supporter, the the people who've been going a long time. They thought everybody was a a new supporter with half and half scarves and selfie sticks and all this wonderful stuff. But they weren't. And they lost, they didn't get the votes they needed. So they would have to to think long and hard before they did anything.
1: Uh, You know, I mean, can I just draw your attention to one thing in there that made me shudder when you say it, half and half scarf. It's just wrong on every level, isn't it?
0: Of course it isn't. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, we sell them on um,
2: the CFC UK store, and you know the fact is, I, w- I would never wear one. But you know, a couple of people earn a few quid, earns them a couple of bob to Give go me to so the game. Doesn't mean I like them. No, but um, it's um, it's it's a modern twist on them um, getting a program. You know, if you're a kid and um, you get a scarf with the date of your first game mm. and who they played, that well,
1: that's what it's all about. No, that know. is all about. Bad parenting to me, you know. Well, you just, I, want you know, Chelsea I wouldn't have it.
2: I wouldn't have it. But no. I, I'm not going to fault the people who um sell them because you know they earn a couple of quid out the, of it. The and, only know.
1: half and half scarf I wish I had and I nearly bought it at the time, was Leicester away, Mourinho's last game with with Hazard and the hip injury. And they had outside half and half Ranieri and Mourinho scarves. And I really (laughs) wish I'd have bought one. So if anyone out there has one and you don't want it, just let me know because I'd love it.
0: There there is a uh, a wider point here. I think that what... Martin Samuel's alluded to, and I was talking to Gary Jacobs from the Times last week, and we had a long conversation about this. Is how the clubs would like to move away from having so many season ticket holders to having more transient supporters, more more people using hotel people using people. Season ticket holders do not use the mega store regularly because they they go to every game, so they'd like to have the Manchester United model, where I think where far more supporters went to two or three games a year, and it's noticeable that Chelsea, in the plans for the extension, the capacity goes up from forty two thousand to sixty thousand, but the number of season ticket holders doesn't go up much. I have a fear, and this is just me; it's not based on anything, but it's a fear that when we go to Wembley, we will some of our season ticket holders will drop out. And I think the club and other clubs, and I've talked to people, other sports of other clubs who, who think there's something in this as well, we will find the number of season ticket get holders at the biggest clubs, and when Chelsea were one of them, will, will reduce and the number of members, tourists, corporates, packaged chores from abroad, all that will increase because it will increase revenue of merchandise. It will, that pleases the sponsors because there's more people wearing the, the logos and all that sort of thing. So it... If you fast forward ten, fifteen years, they're not going to get rid of season to get holders, but I don't think they're necessarily going to renew. I think a smaller percentage. Yeah, it will, will be over a bit, period yeah. of time. Yeah.
1: Okay, well that's interesting. Um, I, I, I you you talk there as if the stadium development will go ahead
2: it's going to go ahead trust me I'm a Chelsea supporter okay
1: well I, I trust you a lot Dave you know I mean your word is your bond so you know it's yet another exclusive so it's all just smoke and mirrors is it it's not,
2: not quite smoke and mirrors but I'm 100% confident that, um, it will go ahead and uh, it's just on hold for uh, five or six or seven months
0: and do you think the same as well Tim yeah I, I don't see anything to the contrary. I, I do think there's, there's been a slight mood shift amongst supporters. But this has made people step back a bit and think, do we actually need a sixty-sixty-one thousand 61000 seat stadium? I don't know. I couldn't quantify that, but I sense there's been a mood shift. I think it will still go ahead. I I, I, I sense that as long as we have the current owner, he, he will want to do it. That's what you, you pick up from around the place. Whether we need it, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's going to happen.
2: It was interesting um, the other week when um, the, the the fact that 99% of uh, football supporters who follow the Premier League side know already that the, the, the income, the gate money, isn't. Uh, most clubs can survive without it. But it was interesting that I think it's Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and somebody else. Probably Arsenal rely on the gate money you know chelsea's wage bill is absolutely phenomenal but and uh, i th- sorry uh, I, I think a lot of it the the idea of increasing the capacity at stanford bridge has got a lot to do with financial fair play although that doesn't seem to apply to clubs like psg
1: Well, yeah, but we'll see what actually happens with PSG this year, I think. I think if they get rid of Neymar and Mbappe, it means that they've got an issue and they've had to get money in. It's it's an interesting time. I think we're in a real transitional phase um, with with all of that. And and we'll just see how it develops, I think. But um, what what I want to do now is I want to actually talk about some of the football that's been going on. But first, we need to have one of those breaks. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Luckily, you never heard Dave Johnston (laughs) coughing his guts up there. But if you did, I'm very, very sorry. Anyway, we're back for part two. And here we are. Uh, So, Newcastle away. Now, I bet you guys were just sat at home with a beer, weren't you, watching it on the telly like everyone else?
2: feet up in front of Sky, whoever it was. No, we were both there. Survived the... um, that, well, it was a four-hour journey for me. I think Tim Stop. spent. A Did bit you fly on the coach? No. It, well, we flew because I was driving. That's what I mean. And um, survived the rain. I went,
0: it, I went by coach. Uh, left the club coach ten pounds. a fair play to the club. But he left at quarter to eight in the morning. So left Stamford Bridge and got back to Stamford Bridge at quarter to one in the morning. So it was sort of quite a long day, really, but uh, well worth it. Well worth it. No, no, no regrets at all because it was it was a good proper away trip i mean the problem in newcastle for those who've not been there is that the away end is up in the gods and they were told to move it to the ground level because you're not supposed to disadvantage away sports and they got away with it with some cock and ball story about safety and access but it's i looked at i looked at the ground on on sunday there was no reason at all why we could not be in the bottom tier of the same stand
2: i had a look at the bottom tier as well and in some ways i'm glad that we are up there because the, the the bottom tier is in sort of little sections of sort of thirty or yeah. forty seats, and there's a big gap between them. I, and I'm sure the support, the Chelsea supporters would generate the same atmosphere as they, in the upper tier as they would have in the in the lower tier. But you know, I'm one of the I'm one of those supporters. I want to be in the front row just in case um, Maurizio Sarri says, "Dave,
0: you're playing." <laughs> but you know, it's it's 140 steps up to the. Uh to the away end because i counted them and uh, I'm, I'm 61 years old and my knees are playing me up so it's, <laughs> no seriously they are they were supposed to move and they somehow managed to to park the issue but you because sunderlands have moved theirs back they were up in the gods and they moved theirs back and there's no safety reason. I take Dave's point about it's a funny construction of the stand, but there's no obvious safety reason to prevent us doing it. No. So I, no, someone's weird. pulled wool over someone's eyes there. I oh. think it's um, a local authority issue, yeah. isn't it? I but I that- still don't understand it.
1: Well, that's often the case. Local <laughs> authorities get brought into these sort of things. So, I mean, the the, the team that we put out, well, it was pretty much... Same as, except we got Kovacic coming in. I
2: think he's absolutely fantastic. When he came on as a substitute at uh, um, Stamford Bridge to make his debut, I thought he had a cracking game. I'm happy with the keeper. I'm happy. With, well, you I'm happy go, with them all. There you go, Dave. There
1: you go. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you. We'll just kick I'll, back. I'll, we'll no, listen I'll, to I'll Dave. i tell something yeah. to eat and you I'll you come back in half an hour. Tell <laughs> me when he <you> got through <laughs> the whole squad. And don't forget all the other players who aren't even in the squad.
2: No, well, uh, you know, unfortunately for them, there's only 11 places isn't there
1: yeah I mean Kovacic is interesting because we talked about him on the podcast last week and we've we've been saying for the last few weeks you know there's been this clamour about get the young players in we need the young players in a side that's the way forward yeah well that's all very well but you have to come on and make people go you cannot be left out For me, Kovacic is exactly what he did. He walked onto the pitch and the first time he trapped the ball, I think the first ball he got to him, he trapped it and gave it and moved. And you just went straight away, this boy can play football. Um, And I think Ross Barkley's been doing really well. I think it's interesting that... That position is obviously going to be shared between Kovacic and Ross Barkley. But, you know, Ruben is definitely number three in that pecking order. When he gets a chance, he has to come on and he has to make people like myself and people like Sarri, you know, go, Corb, blimey, look at that. He looks amazing. There's no way he cannot play next week because you'll get your place. And- I I understand. I, I understand why people would
2: like to see youth players coming through The side but if you but if you're the manager and you've got to win the next fixture you are going to pick players that you can rely on and who are experienced in my opinion you know especially for the league games
1: yeah of course um, we are you've got to because you're chelsea football club you're in the top handful of clubs in the world you cannot Be spending your time going, well, I tell you, give him 10 or 12 games at this moment in time and he could be a player. You you just can't do it. As much as we want it to happen, then, you know, you look at somebody like Marcus Rashford at United. That day he made his debut. He wasn't even meant to be on the bench. And there was an injury. Then there was another injury. Suddenly he comes on, scores two goals. And he was in the side on and off pretty much for the next two years. Okay, it's changed for him at the moment, I think, as a player. But that's what you have to do. You have to seize the day, don't you, Tim? Absolutely. And at any top club,
0: you know, if Foden comes in for Man City, he's not going to get 10 games to do it. He's obviously a very, very talented young player. But it just doesn't work like uh, Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool yeah, took his chance and yeah. fair play to fair play him to and he looks a really good player fair but he play took to his Klopp. chance straight away fair play
2: to Klopp as yeah. well yeah. for giving yeah. him a chance
1: of. well he gave him a chance he gave him a game and and then when you can play you get another yeah. he earned his next yeah. game yeah, exactly. it's it's nothing to do with anything other and I think that's the right way to manage And yeah. and for me you know okay Hazard finally gets back in the side after you know getting back to fitness and Boy I mean you know a lot of people have said a lot of things about Hazard and you, you know that you know is it time for him to go is it this is it that is he really the player we think he is well what we've seen already this season is he's got a fire in him at the moment and I thought he was magnificent against Newcastle. Tell him about the Brenner Tim.
0: Yeah um, one thing well, one advantage of being in the away and it's so high up you can actually see what's happening from a Perspective. It's almost like watching Sibutio. And it was clear that they were taking it in turns to foul hazard. It was rotational fouling. It was reminiscent of Don Revy's leads in the way that they did it. And Rick Glanville, a friend of this show, I think, said on Twitter that, you know, he's long said that if there were three different players foul, foul somebody, then the captain should be booked. And I went back and said, yeah, you could call it a Bremner because, you know, he was orchestrating it for, for Leeds. But it was it was clear... You know, there were two things about Newcastle's performance. One is unbelievably negative, and number two, they they viciously targeted Hazard. They took it in turns to do it, so it was clearly premeditated. So they had a manager who not only had quite often every player within forty yards of their own goal, but they also targeted. One of the most talented players in the Premier League.
1: I'd just like to say what really impressed me. You don't need to like to say. You can just say it
2: on here. That's <laughs> that the point of being on you. here. You're all <laughs> right, Dave. Okay. Can we edit that bit
1: out? I just
2: like to say. <laughs> I I've said it again. Day. Sorry. <laughs> um, what I was very very impressed with um, Cesar Aspillaqueta. Somebody else who's called Dave. And um, when <laughs> well, I'm he call you Cesar <laughs> from now on. <laughs> <laughs> he plays Czar a bit. Like, he Johnson. plays a bit like me. But um, right. he got viciously assaulted in the second half. And um, just and he, but fair play to him. Although he was hurt, he was badly hurt. There's no histrionics. There was no rolling round the ground like he'd been shot. He was hurt. It, I don't. I don't think anybody came on to give him any treatment. But it, he just got up and got on with it. Took the throw in. And that's what we want to see. Oh, that's what I want to see. Yeah, anyway. absolutely, absolutely. You know, fantastic.
1: I, mean, I, I and also when you're playing against a side like that, it was an old fashioned kind of game yep. in a certain respect. And the ref was really slow to get cards out. Yep. You know, he let that go at the start. And that first challenge on Hazard, yep. where he, the boy raked down his Achilles. Sorry, that was so deliberate. That wasn't even just, oh, I can't quite get the ball. I'll kick him. He went to rake him. And, and I thought, you know, that was a, 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 a summed up the game for me and i think you're absolutely spot on chelsea just stuck to it they didn't get wound up they went okay we'll just keep at it and that's something we haven't seen for a year or so i think is that ability to find a way through okay it wasn't pretty wasn't you know glamorous we kept the ball you know people say oh chelsea only had four shots or five shots or whatever it was well sorry but you know when you've got that many players behind the ball who are not interested in doing anything other than negating what's going on and, and I'm not going to slag it off that's how they've chosen to play their game of football well, it's part of the game isn't it absolutely You've got to get around to. it haven't absolutely you? you know so it was it was interesting to see how we stuck to it and and this is my my sort of thinking on sarri is that he's got a different mentality to what we've had for a while at Chelsea. Uh, he, He won't stop playing the football he wants to play. And, you know, there's still a lot of things to be worked out. We know that. But he seems to have this authority to say to them, don't worry, keep playing as you are, something will come. Uh, how do you find Sari so far? Well,
0: I mean, given that ha- it was Hazard's first start, and he's probably our best player, I th- I'm very impressed with what he's what he's done so far. He d- obviously does want us to play. He wants us to play a certain way. He's changed the defense, which is a, a seismic change for the players playing in those positions. Yeah, you yes, shouldn't yeah. underestimate what what's happened. So I, I'm I'm extremely happy, extremely enthused. He wants to he wants to play attacking football. He wants to go to t- and he has the confidence to not change the way he was playing forward, but he also had the ability against Arsenal to, to change things sufficiently at half-time. Arsenal weren't the same team in the second half at all that they were in the end of the first half in the same game. So, I, you know, I'd give him 9.5 out of 10 at the moment.
1: I think that's an interesting point about Arsenal because everyone goes on about, oh, look at Chelsea, it's chaotic football there. You know, they couldn't defend against Arsenal. They would take them to the cleaners. We were for 15 minutes and then half-time... As you say, he changed things, tightened things up, and it didn't happen in the same way again. So, you know, again, it's a it's a kind of a press hysteria that creates this issue. You know, okay, look, we know that there will be things that need to get sorted out. You know, Luis still needs some work on, but at the same time, we're seeing things from him where he's doing what he was doing two years ago. If in doubt, he's just kicking it into Rosehead. I like that when I see that mm-hmm. from Luis, where he just goes... I don't need to play on the ball, I'll just get rid of it. What's your feeling about Luis at the moment? Do you not think he's got a few things to iron out, but obviously Sarri's relying on him? I think that goal that Newcastle scored, I
2: think David Lewis's mind was on uh, the foul on Giroud for a split second, because it was just before that that um, apparently it was an elbow
1: yeah, it was. Uh, it,
2: well, I haven't seen I haven't it. wasn't
1: seen. It wasn't an elbow to cause damage. It was an elbow raised more in protection, but it was definitely a foul. Well, whatever it was,
2: I think Lewis
1: he, he lost concentration. And they,
2: they, you know, the Chelsea players looked, you know, it, from where we were up in the gods at the other end. It looked like they were screaming for a for a free kick, and I think it. I think Lewis was still, you know, wondering why the free kick hadn't. Been awarded, but you know, people are going to make mistakes. Or you know, there's a lot of people. You know, social media, this, that, and the other. And you know, it's people forget that. However much you love a team, however much you support them, however much you support the eleven players in blue, there's eleven players on the other side who are going to try and do you. And people forget that it's not as easy as it looks, or it's not as easy as it is on um, FIFA 18 or 19 or whatever it is.
0: The other thing to bear in mind is the guy. Was extremely. It was an extremely good header. So it wasn't. It was. Luis did fall asleep, but the guy still had to get there first and and head it. Was it Joselu? Yeah. yeah, I thought it was an extremely good header. So, it was, yeah, and also
1: yeah. you know people blaming um, Aretha Balaga. Oh. You know. Sorry, no. that happened in a flash. Yeah, no chance. Or oh, it was his near post. Yeah, it was his near post at Mac 8. Yeah. You know, it was one of those. You know, I, I do think there is an issue, though, with certain Chelsea players that we don't play to the whistle. One of the, the usual culprits of that is Willian, who decides when he's been fouled and usually gathers the ball up. And a couple of times he's had the foul then given against him for handball. And I, I do think that players need to get back to that old-fashioned way of play to the whistle. Mm-hmm no Uh, i agree it's just one of those things but i would agree with you i think their minds got taken off it it was where when you saw it on tv it was obvious what was going on that there was a foul on Giroux, and everyone did stop but they'll work on that and on the whole i thought you know what little defending we had to do we did pretty well um the the other you know if we're talking about the defense um well they've been playing they've been playing free at the back for two years and it's, you know,
2: it's a completely different system now. And um, it, it's going to take them time to
1: get used to it. Yeah. The, the other player who, um, you know, had been tipped by a lot of people not to be a success in this back four is uh, Marcus Alonso. Um, now, Marcus Alonso, for me... Scored two goals at Wembley. He's, he's, you know, I mean, look, you know, he scored last week by being in the six yard box where your number nine usually is you know he pops up in the box again you know this isn't even what a normal full back in a back four does he does something extra and he seems to get back okay he may not be the greatest defender in the world but i would say it's very similar to marcello at real madrid in the fact that if marcello came on the market absolutely just about every top club in the world would want him in their side. He can't defend like Alonso can't defend. But boy, can he do something else that's special. And when he gets intricate with his passes, with Jorginho, with Kovacic, with Hazard, he looks like a fantastic player. What's your your views on that?
0: Well, I mean, I think he is a fantastic player. And I think over time, maybe we'll work away so that the midfield drop in to cover like we've done in the past I mean if you go back to the 60s with um, the reason Ken Celso was so good going forward was he had Burt Murray dropping in you know you, you find a way of exploiting the talents they've got but as you as you say to be in the in the box with what 5 minutes to go on on Sunday he had no right to be there at all and yet we won because he was in the box so yeah you you play to people's strengths and you and what you have to the the talent that Sari appears to have is to be able to accommodate that in in, in the overall system. You're, yeah, all think... you've
2: got to say is the manager picks him.
0: Yeah, you and... know if he if he the manager
2: didn't think he had anything about him he wouldn't be in the side and he's in the side every week, week in week out. And no, uh, good luck to him. I absolutely love the bloke.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, what's interesting is you know everyone said at beginning season our wing backs are basically finished at Chelsea you know in the fact that Alonso's not going to get a look in because he won't be able to do the defending and Moses won't get a look in because um, Dave will be at right back but Moses I kind of feel sorry for he is a bit of a a lost soul in this squad at the moment but you know injuries happen Europa League happens other cup competitions we don't know how the season will pan out at the moment Sarri's just trying to find 11 able-bodied people that he wants to rely on his t- as his team. He doesn't look to me as though he's a rotator. He looks as though he wants to get his side and settle it.
2: I'd just like to clarify something that I said a few min- minutes ago. Too late to um, scrub what we've just we recorded. We don't scrub we? nothing, you know. mate. What I meant by three at the back was three central defenders. Oh, okay. And right. I'm sure like everybody here knew what I meant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just before I get <laughs> slaughtered by any of the listeners. Yeah, that's Don't go for I mean. him on Twitter, all you, know, you <laughs> people. No, well, they will. Do but, that. you know, with... Um, all sat in your pants in your with, bedrooms, <laughs> abusing poor Dave. With old uh, Cesar Johnston on the uh, right, and yes. um, my, um, and Alonso, you know, I think, I think you know, keep them in and, you know, stick with a um, couple of central defenders. It's working well. Yeah. What I'd like to say, though, is... <laughs> Don't need to say that. Sorry. <laughs> I will say Okay.
0: What I'm saying is What
2: I'm saying <laughs> is is Ngolo Kante. I think personally I preferred him where he was last season. I think he's a bit he's a bit lost in his new role and um he sort of ends up drifting off to the um to the right and uh you know, obviously um Sarri's trying to accommodate Jorginho. But what I did notice was that when um, Chelsea had a corner, um, Kante was um, dropping back to where he he was last season. I, I think he's a better player there. Tim? Well, it's an interesting historical
0: equivalent here. When Alan Hudson used to be the star of Chelsea midfield, ball player, we then bought, for reasons unexplained, we bought Steve Kemba, in this was in 1971, put Hudson wide. Hudson fell out with Sexton and never got a relationship back with him. He started, should we say, having lifestyle issues, sort of became more of a party animal because he didn't want to play on the wing. And he was Chelsea's, the hub of the team in terms of that he was the ball player. And, It was clear, you know, if that hadn't happened, if they hadn't bought Kemba, Hudson would not have gone off the rails as he did. He admits himself that that was the issue. So I'm not saying that Kante is like Alan Hudson because I don't think he is. But there is a danger in taking one of your very best players and playing them out of position. We have got a historical equivalent
2: here. He's the world's best at what he was doing last season.
0: Yeah, I, you know,
1: again, jury's out on everything he does. He's trying to work things. It's obvious that he likes Jorginho in the position where Kante was, but playing a very different role. He's not breaking things up. Mm. That's not his job. His job is proper quarterback, isn't it? It's everything goes through him. Mm. So consequently, he feels that he doesn't need uh, Kante alongside him, pushing further forward. He's got good feet. He can pass. Mm. He can run. He's quick. So we'll see. And he got that flying header the other week against Arsenal, which could have gone in, Mm. you know. So, I mean, it's... um, we'll see i agree you know he was the best at what he did there but that role doesn't actually exist under Sarri at this moment in time so we'll see the other thing i'd like to move on to okay um straight yes or no uh, as quick as you like no debate no discussion was it a penalty dave 100 percent, tim absolutely okay this is interesting because it seems to have divided the nation the idea is that he got the ball first, so therefore it's not a foul. But under the new ways, you can get the ball first, but if your follow-through takes the man out, then it's still deemed to be a foul. The next question is, did he actually make contact with him? And is this correct rule, that if you get the ball, you can still give away a foul? Well, judging by that uh, penalty that uh, Liverpool were awarded,
2: former player uh, Mohamed Salah got,
1: Yep, well, he didn't get touched.
2: Well, he the didn't, well there difference. you go. But, I mean, if they can award a penalty for that, why not give um, Chelsea one for what happened to Alonso?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just talking in principle. I think it was a penalty too. But um, I, I think it's an interesting rule. And it's, it's come in to sort of clean the game up, hasn't it, really? And, and stop defenders going to ground. In the old days, that would have just been deemed a brilliant tackle.
0: Don't you think? Yeah, m- maybe. But it has changed. I'm, the referee's... In, as I understand, interact with teams far more. So this rule would have been explained to players and coaches in words of one syllable. So that's the rule. And, and Newcastle defender broke the rule. I mean, in the, yes, 30 years ago, it would have been a great tackle, but things have moved on. So why has it not been
1: explained to the public, the world at large and every single pundit in the country? Because every post-match discussion on that, some have said, yes, it was a penalty. Some have said, no, it wasn't. And it's been divisive in that way, and I, I find that extraordinary because it's pretty black and white to me. Oh, sorry, Newcastle. Why, why, man?
0: But aye. well, don't get me started on pundits and referees' decisions. There are people who are employed to create controversy. It, well, that's the referee. Yeah, well, <laughs> but there are, yeah, but there are pundits who are employed, and, and that's what they do. So yeah. I just I tend to dismiss it. I mean, yes back in the day so that a lot of these pundits when they were playing it wouldn't have been a penalty but the game has moved on unfortunately their thinking hasn't
1: yeah I, I think I think you're right um you know and it went our way and some would say that actually Newcastle got what they deserved which was nothing after all the the dirty tackling and the dirty fouling they couldn't quite keep it together and actually when you saw them break irrespective of that foul on Giroud you saw in that move that they can actually play football. So it must have been kind of frustrating as a Newcastle fan. It kind of reminded me of that day we played City with the ambition of holding on to a 1-0 defeat. Yeah, You know, and I, I think that's, it's not really the right way. I
2: had high hopes for Antonio Conte. I thought he was absolutely fantastic first season. Um sorry about the way it ended. Um, You know, you can't, if, you're a manager, and you know anything about football. You've got to know what you're going to get if you come to manage Chelsea Football Club, and uh, his um, the way he moaned let him down. But uh, on that Manchester City game, if a couple of passes had reached Eden Hazard and Chelsea had won that game two-one, Conte would have been it. Would have been a tactical. Masterclass. Thin margins,
1: isn't but, yeah, it? Thin yeah. Thin margins. And, and then last, last, last word really about um, about the Newcastle game um, for me. Well, two. One, I'm glad Ross Barkley came on. I like Ross Barkley. Yeah, I think he's I got something yep. about him. Yeah. He's starting to look as though he's back to fitness. Yep. He looks attuned he loves to the way it at Chelsea. Well, that's good. Um, I, I hope that the fans will grow to love him because I think there's a lot to his mm-hmm. game. <clears throat> and Sarri obviously does as well um, but the last word must go to the greatest shot that I've seen ah. this season that didn't quite go in man Rudiger. of the match
0: yep. R- yeah
1: Rudiger he's a folk hero already isn't he because he's no nonsense but
0: then can do something like that well you know it was kicking towards our end and yeah, yeah you, you hit it and you think well she's going to go obviously into the gods and suddenly bang you know it really was a fantastic shot crossbar's know,
1: still shaking like, now. Indeed,
0: yeah. it, it was it was incredible but
1: for me, he... I, I like Rudiger a lot. I think he's got something about him. Yep. He can be as dirty as hell, and then he can be quite light-footed. He's, he's, he's got... He's a, he's a modern footballer with old-fashioned habits. Was he the
2: man of the match on Sunday, then, was he? No, it was Hazard. Oh, right, OK.
0: But, you know, he's in the German squad, isn't he? And, and the Germans tend to have quite good footballers. Be, that was my argument. So if jo- Joachim Löw... Lohm- rates him he probably is quite a good player and he is obviously a good player yes he can mix it when he has to but he clearly Sar- Sarri I think likes him so yeah I think he's a, a significantly strong acquisition for us this season. well
1: he's, he also fits in with the Italian yeah. mould which is make sure you stop the man first And then let's work out what just happened kind of thing. So, you know, and and again, there's teething problems, of course, with that that back four system. But I I think he will be there all season, barring injury. I'm certain of it. So that that leads us really into this weekend. We've got Bournemouth at home. Funny side Bournemouth with us. I mean, that was probably one of our worst moments of last year, wasn't it?
0: I, yes, it was. It Was it 3-0? Yes, it yeah. was. It, it, it was dreadful. And Bournemouth are an interesting side. Because I think that they are very strong at, make, at coming back from losing positions. That's one of their great strengths. So, so Eddie Howe seems a nice bloke. But he's obviously got some steel mentally in that side. I mean, we ought to beat them. But, you know, I think it'd be interesting. And they've got one or two quite pretty good players. So, I yeah we're now at the stage really where you start to look at fixtures and it's very easy to get carried away so we'll beat them we'll beat Cardiff and you know and then we'll beat West Ham and you know we'll have six wins out of six it doesn't always work like that as we know from previous seasons I'm looking forward to it but I don't think it will I genuinely don't think it'll be an easy game
1: no I don't either I think you'll set them up to I think they'll try and play football Mm. though what about you you worried about Bournemouth and the way they'll come and play football or will that under this new system play into our hands more
2: I think that 3-0 defeat
1: for Chelsea last season at home to Bournemouth came that
2: fixture came at the right time for Eddie Howe you know the the, you know the rumours were already um, starting about Conte and you know the uh, camp wasn't happy and I don't think we'll see a repeat of that on them so I think Chelsea will win
1: well, that's good. Okay. Well, uh, I'm pretty sure it'll be much the same team as as this last week. I think that's that's where it'll go. There's a Fresh impetus, isn't there? And you know, yeah, same players, but you know, they, they always work very well this squad under a manager for the first season.
0: <laughs> so. The other thing is we're only playing one game a week at the moment, so he doesn't have to. When we get into the the grind of the Europa League and the League Cup starts there will have to be some rotation. Yeah, I mean, you but, yeah. just
1: look at what's going on with Burnley. You yeah. know, they must be yeah. really confused at the moment because nothing's quite working no. anywhere for them at I, the moment.
0: I'm sure if they go out, you know, with honourable defeat, I'm sure Sean Dice won't be concerned. But that's know. sad, isn't it? it because is actually,
1: we should... I don't like this devaluing of competitions. For me, you know, people say, oh, Europa League yeah, football on Thursday night. It's a, there are only four domestic cups yep. you can win, three domestic cups, yep. well, Community Shield, three and a half, um, you know, and two European trophies you can win. So surely all of them are worth fighting for. Well,
0: they are, but they, the problem they have is their squad's not big enough to cope with it. They no one's is, really. No, not if no, you're in no, the no, qualifying
1: no. rounds of Europa League. No. Irrespective of how good your players are, you're not fit. No. You know, so I kind of feel sorry for them, but hopefully they will prove the Europa League is okay by smashing Man U at the weekend. But we'll see how that pans out. All right, so what would be your predictions for the Bournemouth game? We do the predictions on here. What's your your score? 2-0 Chelsea. 3-0 Chelsea. Okay. I would love to go 4-0, but seeing as we only get about four shots in a game at the moment, um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go... No, I am going to go 4-0. What the hell? Let's, let's, let's throw caution to the wind. I think uh, it's one of those. If we get one in the first 10 minutes, we'll win 4-0. If not, it'll be 1-0. There you go. That's hedging your bets. And then it could be a draw. But it won't be a loss. That's all I know. Phew. Luckily, I got that out. And what's happening with you? How's the fanzine doing? Uh, haven't you got a birthday or something coming up soon?
2: It's going to be, the um, remarkably, the 200th edition in November. Really? Uh, yeah, and um got anything planned for that evening? Oh, when is it? Oh, it's um yeah, we have we're going to um oh. we're going to um have a little bit of um a shindig. A, a shindig on uh, November the 11th at the Atlas and it's going to be a fundraiser for the um very worthy Regenerate charity. So um it's going to be a pound to get in. Hurry up. Hurry up. The
0: drink's going to be a pound. Oh, well, let's hope so. <laughs> That's <laughs> where the pound yeah. stops. Yes, um,
2: you know, anybody come in, that pound is going to go to uh, Regenerate and working on getting some stuff to um, auction off. And um, Andy Smith, who runs that, who started the charity, it's um, he's a very nice guy and he, he runs a brilliant charity and it's a very worthy cause. When I first started the fanzine, I was thought it'd be great if I could get to 50 issues and we've you know in February next year 2019 that fanzine will have been going 20 years Cool, blimey I know
1: look at that I bet the inks have changed and everything mm, well the it's, font l- hasn't, it's got even smaller <laughs> <than that>. <laughs> 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 and I've got younger there you go hey. okay well yeah but there's something like that and anything else planned for that night
2: well the um the Chelsea uh hopefully might uh to turn up and i'm looking at the engineer is yeah,
1: ollie yeah, we hopefully will be doing a live podcast
2: there yeah, It'd be um, absolutely fantastic and uh, i think um hopefully um uh the esteemed john king and and knight are going to um come and you know all the writers and um mark Worrell and all the uh, uh people he's um, published book for books for so is it going to be a damn good night
0: out let's hope so.
2: Is excellent because the
0: Everton game is a—it's it's, after the Everton game yeah
2: it's a two o'clock kick-off and yep. you know hopefully people will be able to um, get to the at, the atlas at West Brompton for about five o'clock and a couple of hours there yep. raise some money
0: and
1: yeah,
0: sell a yeah. few fanzines sell, and sell a, a few, few books. books sell a few ve- <laughs> oh you got some books there for sale Tim well i I believe I will, yes. And I believe, ah. all, as, as Doug says, a number of people have been published by uh, by Mark World's Gate 17 books. I think you can say that most of the authors will be there and most of them will have copies of their books for sale. Including yours, Including which is, uh, diamonds, the latest... dynamos. The, 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 the Diamonds, Dynamos, the, there's one I came out last year, Diamonds, Dynamos and Devils, about Chelsea under Tommy Doherty.
1: Did you come up with that title so I that did the drunk the... Chelsea fans couldn't say it very easily? Because you haven't even had a drink.
0: No. And, you know, and I wrote the book. The <laughs> title, yes. then as well. <laughs> the, the next book is easier, the title, but that's not out for another year, so I won't plug that yet. What's
1: it called? Just blue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's called "Stanford Bridge is Falling Down." Oh, and this, and which Mark Warrell came up with, and it's about the uh, trials and tribulations of Chelsea in the early seventies, on and off the pitch.
1: Blimey, <laughs> you could do trials and tribulations <laughs> through most decades. Indeed, in Chelsea, indeed so, you yeah. could, yeah. Anyway, well, all I can say is thank you very much, Mr. Cesar Johnston. Can I just say, oh, can, <laughs> yeah, <come>
2: sorry, on. <laughs> I've got to stop saying, can I say, but can I just say, Anastasia, Georgi, Sabina, ya la Tebia
1: oh there we go they uh, that's a missive in russian and uh, of course hurry up hurry up hurry up and tim rolls thank you very much for joining us as usual with your erudite ways which raise the tone you're uh, very
0: welcome anytime
1: well, what about tomorrow?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anytime except tomorrow. Probably <laughs> oh, okay. don't look too
1: happy about that. He's nah, had enough of us already. A <laughs> and on that note, all I can say is everyone have a great week and enjoy the game on Saturday. We are going to say goodbye and... Hurry up. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. The Chelsea is backed for the season by Ladbrooks.